We hope that this message encourages you today. For more information about us, please visit myfreedom.church. Okay, so last week, Mark kicked off uh, about the Word of God, how we need to give due attention to it. We need to give it the right place in our lives, studying it, reading it, sharing it, and so on. And that came out of conversation between Mark and myself and how we felt strongly that we really need to be more word-based and um, really take hold of God's word. And I want us to... I'm jumping out of sequence and I don't want to do that because it's going to confuse me. Um, Psalm 119. You have your Bibles? Wave at me with your Bibles. Hello. Is anybody here this morning? Yes. Yes. That's good. I'm glad. Lovely. Great. Okay. So if you want to turn to Psalm 119 and quickly look. Um, Why are we stressing the Word of God as important? Well, basically, it's a supernatural book. It is like no other. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Every other book stacked up against it just falls flat. Because God's word is just incredible. But it is credible, totally incredible. (laughs) But it is just amazing. And once you have tasted of the word of God, there's no turning back. There is no other place you will find satisfaction, inspiration, hope, life. It contains all the answers that we need. And it ministers something to our beings. And once you get hooked, there is no going back. You have to get word. Or once you're addicted to this word. Alright, Psalm 119 and verse. In fact, should we have somebody to read this out? Um, Psalm 100, Psalm. Verse 130, which may well be familiar to you. <coughs> Shout if you found it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, right, Pete. Yeah? Okay, you got it. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Great, thank you. So, my version says, the entrance of your word brings light. And I love that. It spoke to me years ago. And it's as if, as you do this, light emanates from this book. Okay, it won't unless you get your eyes on it. But I want you to to realise, as you open this book, you enter the fourth dimension. It is truly like that. And I want you to grasp this because it is a supernatural book. It's a doorway. It's a gateway. It's an entrance. And this entrance to the Word brings light. So if you're struggling in darkness, I was thinking this morning actually, it's a grim day and heading towards wintertime and more dark nights and everything. The Word of God can sustain you in the dark times. Yeah. Through wintertime, if you think, oh, I get that sad, seasonally adjusted depression. The whole of um, Gardner's world, whatever it was on Friday, yeah. was about mental health. Of course, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I thought, fabulous, great, whatever. But their hope was not founded on the ultimate truth. It, was, it just grieved my heart. 
all wonderful things, but God is not in the picture. It's all about creation. Well, that's great. You don't worship creation. Creation is there to be enjoyed, but it's not the answer. It's not the source. God is the source. The Word of God is the source. That is the true thing. All these other things are good. But without a firm foundation, when you are shaken, you will struggle. So, lights from this Word will sustain you. And I speak my own experience. That is true. This is the same thing. Um, James 1.25. I'm basically setting the context, picking up from where Mark left off last week, stressing the importance of the word. So James is very close to Hebrews, if not immediately after it, it is. Verse, chapter 1, verse 25. Shall we have another reader? Let's see what it meant to say in John Barnes. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Amen. Who wants to be blessed? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Two people? Three? Yeah. And me? That makes four? That's cool. Okay. That'll make a party. Right. So, I love it. I'll read what my version says. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Isn't that strange? Isn't that a contradiction? The law of liberty. Hmm. It's a law, but it's actually all about freedom. It's all about what you can do. It's an amazing book. It's the book that brings you freedom. Jesus said, if you continue in my teaching, you will know the truth. You will see the truth. The light will come. And you will be set free. Yeah, yeah. This is why we're pushing the word of God. That's good. And continues therein and is not a forgetful hearer. That's a real danger zone there. Yeah. Especially when you've been walking in, in God's ways for a long time. You can sometimes not realise. You've stopped walking in the doing of it. You've stopped walking in the sharpness of it. And you need quickening again. You need, God, God just censor me again, Lord. Censor me again. I want to be doing the stuff you said. I, want, I don't want to think I'm doing it when I'm not. I really want to be doing it. You know, if we don't experience miracles, then we just think, well, miracles don't happen then. They're not for us at the moment. We, well, you know, it'd be nice if God bless us with one, but our experience is it just doesn't happen. So you just think, we don't experience miracles. All right, fair enough. Hang on. Come back to this. No, actually, my experience is lacking. This is my benchmark. This is what it says. Miracles happen amongst the people of God. So I'm pressing in for it. We'll see more. So, being centred. Not become a forgetful hearer. Being duped. Thinking you're doing this stuff. But being a doer of the word. So, let's just take a little example. To help us on that, when you read and you just feel quickened with an action, might be, phone so-and-so. What word that didn't say? Jesus said, ring so-and-so. No, but you were quickened by something as you read. Do it. It's Holy Spirit speaking through the word. Action, do. Now what will happen is, as you do, it starts to build your Christ walk. Okay. So it's important that we're people of action. We do in response to that word. And then it goes on. This one will be blessed in what he does. <sighs> How long have we got today? 
There's so much to share. But we want to be blessed. And this is it as we continue to look into. In fact, that word there to look into means to stoop, to look into. As if it's like a small doorway down here. We have to humble ourselves. We have to get down from our elevated position of intellect or I know better and just say, okay, God, you've got something new to teach me. I've read this book a thousand times, but you've still got something to show me. Okay. So this is exhortation I'm bringing you about getting into the Word. But also, I want us to be reminded of what Alan Mabry shared back in August about the prophetic word that Smith Wigglesworth brought in the late 40s, 1948, before he went off to heaven. He talks about three moves of God yet to come. The charismatic movement, which kind of fits in the late 50s, 60s, I think, and began to really explode in the 70s. And out of that, then, the second move, which was the new church movement. So coming out of established churches and doing things in a new way. This was the second move of God. And then the third move, he said, was when the new church move was on in its decline... As the churches that had word and the churches that had spirit, I don't know whether this exactly how we said it, as this came together, as there was a coming together of spirit and word, then this would be the final move of God in the earth. Oof. And that's, for us, we need to get more word to balance the spirit. We also need more spirit, but we want that harmony of spirit and word. And I was meditating on this yesterday. It really came to me strongly. The word is like the structure of the building. It's like the framework. Imagine, you know, you, you see these buildings going up in, in a matter of a few weeks. It's incredible. You just see this massive framework being established and they brick up around it and put the panels on and everything. You see this enormous structure. And that is what the word is like. The word is like the structure. It's the, the, the secure thing. But if it's just a shell... It's cold, it's echoey, it's not a place you'd like to live. Well, that's where the spirit comes in. The spirit will come and give the furnishings, plastering, the decor, the, the, the carpets, the, the pizzazz. Okay. But you can't have the pizzazz and the, the decor and the wallpaper and everything else sat out in the rain, can you? No. It needs the building. But the building needs to be filled out. So that's why it's so important that we have the structure to shelter the work of the Spirit. What does the Spirit want to do amongst us and through us and in the earth? So we have to have the two together. So this, this journey that we're on is about establishing the structure that will hold the blessing of the Holy Spirit and what he does in our lives so that it is something of a framework that will last. Yeah. Okay? So the word is powerful. And it brings that security and foundation that we cannot live without and we must have. 
So that's my exhortation. Now, I want us to just jump back a little bit to that, that verse in Psalm 119. I love this. Sometimes I dig into the Hebrew and the Greek. And it is amazing that the Hebrew language is phenomenal. I'm afraid. And aside. Anyway, I don't speak it, but I know some words. So that verse we looked at, the entrance of your word brings light. That word entrance is pathak. Okay? And it means opening. Okay? It's nice, actually, isn't it? It's, it's like God saying, hey, how about opening this a bit? How about getting into this? Now, listen to this. The word pathak comes from the word porthak, which is very similar, isn't it? And that word means to open wide. I love it. Now, just get the just bask in this. I love words. Just bask in these words that this word means. To loosen. I like to be loosened from stuff. The word will bring it. To begin. Beginnings come out of the word. Listen to this. To plow. Do you know the word plows us? It tills up the hard parts of our lives. Another word it means. Carve. The word of God is likened to meat, bread and meat. We carve this thing up. We eat from it. To appear. God wants to appear in this word. Break forth. He wants to break forth in us and through us. Listen to this one. Draw out. He wants us to draw out truth. To let go free. Whoa, come on. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. If you get in this, freedom will come. We will be freed from stuff. To engrave. Now, Paul talks about our hearts being engraved with the living word of God. To loose self. Set yourself free from this word. Through it. Be set open. To put off. In some of the letters, Paul talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. To unstop stuff and to have bent an expression. All of that comes from a little word, porthak, that comes from the word pathak. The entrance of your word. All of these things are at the entrance. Here, here's the promise. If you'll step into this word, you'll get all this stuff. Well, Jeff asked me earlier, how, how do you study the word? What, how do you, and I was thinking, oh my word, what a question. Oh, where do you start? But a brilliant question. Man, it can be a challenge. I struggled with that when I was a much younger believer, and I've, I've shared this a few times before, but I didn't know what else to do, but God gave me a picture. Basically, he showed me a, a sitting room with, with all the drapes over the furniture and step ladders and the wallpaper paste table and everything else. And he said, if, you'll get the, if you buy the paper in and the paint, I'll do the decorating. Now, what did he mean? Simply, if you'll read this, I'll take care of the rest. I'll start to speak to you. I'll start to apply it. I'll start to wallpaper the walls of your life with what you really want. Now, that's a simple starting point. There is more. You can study themes and words, use the concordance. You can look at the, read it chronologically. And that isn't from first page one to the end. It's in chronological order of time. There are studies you can go through. There's all sorts. You can do people studies and all manner of things. Study it together. So, are you getting the message? The word is important. So, 
Mark and I decided what we would do is we would actually simply start and do a book. Let's unpick a book together to help us get into the flow and to feel confident and comfortable doing that ourselves. So we thought, well, let's choose a short book so people don't get a bit overwhelmed. We're not going to do uh, Isaiah, much as it's amazing, but it might take us a while. So we're going to look at a book. And before I do that, just as a, a caveat here, I said it's a supernatural book. And as such, it attracts opposition to being read. I liken it to, or like to call it, spiritual gravity. Now, if I want to fly, I have to use an engine in a plane to get me off the ground. I can try, but I'm not going to get very far because gravity pulls me down. Okay, that's great. I'm getting higher. It's not working, though. You put me off. <laughs> Things that come against us. Distraction. Busyness. Forgetting to read it. Falling asleep when you're reading it. Other thoughts as you're reading it, distracting you. So actually, you're reading the words and you're not reading the words at all. I'm thinking about what I need to do tomorrow morning and da-da-da-da-da. Then before you know it, you're thinking, hang on a minute, what have I just read? There are so many things that will come against it because it's a spiritual book. You can pick up another book and read it, no problem. Start this one, it's like, why? You've really got to focus and get a grip. And I said recently, I have to do that first thing in the day because that's when mine's clear then, generally speaking. Sometimes it's a bit weird, but I aim to do that. And I find the word is clearer to me. When I read it later in the day, it's just like there's a load of stuff in the way. But anyway, that's me. We have to make the point, is what I'm trying to say. If you really want to read the word of God, you've got to commit to do it. You've got to say, I am going to do this <laughs> because it is my life, because it's the eternal word of God. I want to know it. There are secrets in here and God wants to share it with us. Okay, so I expect you're all wondering, what book are we going to look at? Any guesses? Shout them out. Ooh, ooh, no, no. We're in the New Testament. We're going to start with Colossians. Okay. Good guesses. Thank you for guessing. Now, I thought, in, in my Bible, there's a little sort of paragraph or two about the book. And I read it and I thought, you know, I couldn't put it better than myself, so I might as well read this out. There are bits I'm not going to read, but bits. And I thought, okay, right, let's start from here then. So, putting it in context, so it's a letter by Paul to the churches, particularly the church in Colossae. Uh, and it's one of a number of letters to help you understand. So Ephesians is another one, and it starts off like this. If Ephesians can be called the letter portraying church of the Christ, then Colossians must surely be the Christ of the church. So that's a nice little phrase to help us hang everything on when we're looking at Colossians, the Christ of the church. Ephesians focuses on the body, 
Colossians focuses on the head. Now, listen to this. I like this. And it's interesting because um, Alan Rhodes alluded to this and mentioned it. (laughs) Paul's purpose is to show that Christ is preeminent, first and foremost in everything. And the Christian's life should reflect that priority because believers are rooted in him, alive in him, hidden in him, which is what Alan said, and complete in him. It's utterly inconsistent for them to live life without him. Clothed in his love, with his peace ruling in their hearts, they are equipped to make Christ first in every area of life. So that can be for us, as we study this, helping us to put Jesus first. And to just get a better picture of Jesus or the Christ man. So we better start. I plan to do three sentences today. Guess how many verses that will be? Twelve. Whoa. I'm not sure we're going to get quite that far. We might do. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how we get on. Are you ready? Yeah. Fasten your seatbelts. And I shall begin. Right, I'm going to read the first twelve verses, and then we're going to backtrack and pick out elements. Now, before I get that far, we still haven't got into it, have we? There's so much about it. The Holy Spirit is the wind of God. And he will blow upon this as I read it and as I talk about it. And he will highlight a word, a phrase, a thought to you. And I'm hoping that what I share is what he's saying to us all as well. But the thing is, it can be different every single day. And this is the wonder of the word of God. And it's a now word. It's what we need to be hearing today, now, or for this week. Or it's, it's relevant. It's 2,000 years old. It's relevant today in 2019. So allow me to read. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Okay, I'll just stop there just so that you understand. These letters often start with the person that's writing it. It used to confuse me when I read that, but basically, hi guys, it's me writing, is what he's saying. And then he says, to whom? To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, don't cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened, with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering, with joy. 
giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Wow. Okay. So, let's begin to unpack Paul, an apostle. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to pick up on the word Christ there. Because when I read the little prologue in this Bible, it talked about the church of Christ being what Ephesians is described as, and Colossians being the Christ of the church. Now, I just want to say that the name Christ is used a lot by people when they're talking about Jesus. And I have no problem with the word, it's scriptural. However, when the word was originally written and used, they had a far greater understanding. I feel and believe that the word itself now has become too clinical a label of Jesus. And we need to remember he's actually called Jesus. He has a name. He's a person with a name, and Christ is not his surname, but it could be. Who knows? And what I feel the Spirit is saying, he wants restoring the emphasis of the personality and person of Jesus. It's easy to talk about Christ and not feel uncomfortable. But when you start to talk about Jesus, it starts to get a bit too close to me. He's a person. I'm a person. He knows me. He is looking for relationship. It's easy to talk about Christ as this set-apart, slightly elevated, distant being. It's a word of honour that we use, definitely, and that's appropriate. But I don't want us to lose the Jesusness of Christ. <laughs> he wants us to remember he is a person with a name. Back at school, when I started high school, all the lads were called by their surname by one particular teacher. Alan, you're sitting there. Alan, what do you want? Duff it. Sit down. Smith, shut up. All the girls were called by their first names. And what it did was it distanced us from the teacher. And they were able to assert authority and not relationship. And it wasn't until the fifth form that the teacher actually began to call us by the first names. And it was suddenly opened up this relationship and rapport. It was amazing. And this is the same thing I'm trying to get across. Jesus wants intimacy. He wants relationship with us. Let's not be caught up with a clinical Christ that is... It's not wrong, if I take us back to the roots, but our society has made it this clinical term, if you like. You know, if you look at established churches, they talk about Christ will come again. Says, Jesus is coming back, mate. You know, he's a person, he's a real dude, yeah? He wants personal relationship. I just look at that word. It's in Greek, it's Christos. And it comes from... Cre 
creo, creo, okay, meaning contact. And you're thinking, what? Actually, it means to smear or to anoint. It's that whole principle of applying the oil of anointing. So actually, a better way of putting it would be Jesus anointed. It would, it would just change things. If you just started thinking, Jesus anointed, you just realise it was about what he's come to do. That's what Christ means. It's about what he's about. Jesus is the wonderful person. Anointed is what he does. Okay? It kind of puts it in another perspective. This is his purpose. It's to consecrate to an office. Um, Okay, what about the name Jesus itself? Jesus in Greek. And in Hebrew, it is Jehoshua, which means Jehovah saved. Now, just let's go back into Hebrew times. We're now in Hebrew times. Jesus was a very common name. They actually would have said Jehoshua. Hey, Joshua, come on, Josh. It was a really common name. So to be called Joshua wasn't a big deal. So to set apart our Joshua, Jesus, he had, we're giving him anointed Christ. Jehoshua the Christ one. Jehoshua the anointed one. That's the Jesus we're talking about. Now, it, it does bring, bring me back to a funny story. I mean, would anybody be called Jesus in our culture? You're not allowed to. Wow. Indeed. So I was in Spain a few years ago. And to my amazement, I was, you know, go ape. I went go ape. You, you swing through the trees on these things and these wires and whatnot. And, and you got get your belt on and your security, what's it, and da-di-da. And our trainer, who was kind of training us up to do it, he was called, he says, my name is Jesus. I said, you've got to be kidding. You're not called Jesus. Jesus, he's called Jesus. I can't believe that. I thought, Jesus, do you know him? Yeah. Weird. Anyway, funny thing was, I had to call for Jesus. I was stuck halfway up a tree and I dropped my little doogee thingy 20 foot down. So I'd say, Jesus! <laughs> Come and help me! Save me! So there was a reality to it. Anyway, it was quite amusing. But that was a Catholic country, so obviously they like to use the name Jesus. And it's nice because it's very similar to Jesus' uh, Greek name, Jesus. Okay, so I've gone off the point a little bit. But here we are, as a truth. We've, we've not even got past the first line. All right. God can do that. Every single word he can open up. It's, it's like, okay, like I said, you open this up, come into the fourth dimension with me. You take a word. You take it, you open it up, you come into a fourth dimension of that word. It is amazing. Now, theologians who don't know Jesus have studied this thing and they can't find Jesus. Huh? It's because you need Holy Spirit. You need Holy Spirit to enlighten. Okay. So when you open the word, it's always good to still your heart and pray. Lord, help me. Receive your word. Help me humble myself before your word to accept meekly the word implanted that can save me. That's the bit in James, a bit above the, what, what we read. 
Humbly accept the word implanted that can save you. It's so important you just focus because it's a supernatural book. And you've got to approach it supernaturally. All right, so we won't study every single line like that. But I have to say, we haven't finished with this first line. Sorry, guys. Paul, an apostle. Now, again, like the word Christ, apostle. Huh? It's a, a religious word, isn't it? And always oh, an apostle. What? what? Well, that's some sort of weird name, isn't it? Let's unpick it and say, what is it all about? Well, basically, it just means a delegate or an ambassador of the gospel, a commissioner of Jesus, a messenger, somebody that has been sent. Or I like to say it's a builder. He's a builder. Paul the builder, not Bob the builder. Paul the builder, sent by Jesus. I've come to build something. Go back to that building I was talking about at the beginning. We're building structure. We're building a framework for what God wants to fill with the Holy Spirit. And just going back to that, another parallel about the building and the furnishing. Remember the Valley of Dry Bones. It was filled with structure, but there's no life. So what did God say to, who was it? Jeremiah? No. Um, Ezekiel, thank you very much. I knew that really. He said, prophesy to the breath. Well, prophesy to the bones. Did he say that to the bones? Not sure. Can't remember. To come together. Command the bones. So there's a great rattling. The structure. There weren't skeletons, were there? They were just bones. The structure formed skeletons. Then he says, prophesy to the breath, Holy Spirit, to clothe and fill. But though they were dead in the ground, he says, now to the breath, breathe into them the life. See that as an analogy that what we're talking about is the structure is the skeleton, the word, the breath, Holy Spirit, comes to bring life. You can't have one without the other. God is looking for a body. Okay. It needs to be filled with life. So, let us move through. Hmm. To the saints. Oh, by the will of God. Hmm, okay. Did you know Paul was a murderer? Wow. He tyrannised the church. Persecuted. Wow. But God still had a will for Paul. And people in the world, when they start to dig into this stuff, they don't understand the will of God. It's God's will. It's it's cast in iron and you've got no choice. It's the will of God. Oh, he's going to go. No. Got all the choice in the world. But God has a way with his will. (laughs) It ends up being your will. Don't ask me how he does it, but he's just the master of the heart. He knows how to win you. He knows how to ambush you. He knows how to get you to surrender and say, right, okay, Jesus, it's your way or no way. I'll do it. (laughs) I surrender. You don't have to. You can still be so stubborn, just not go God's way. But I don't recommend it. His way is the best. But he has to break our will. He's like the horse whisperer. Got to break our will. Okay, so by the will of God, God got him to that place. And Timothy, our brother, so there are a double act. Paul and Tim are writing to the folks in Colossae. To the saints. Did you know you're all saints? Faithful brothers in Christ. Here we go, in Christ. Hmm, What does that mean? Who are in Colossae. 
So he's saying who this is to, and then what does he do? He greets them and says, grace to you. What a place to start. Grace. Okay, it doesn't matter what's going on. Grace to you. This is how we come to God. It doesn't matter. Don't stop confessing all your sins. I'm not belittling sin. But sometimes he just says, it's all right. Yeah, just, it's dealt with. Look, I just want, hi, how are you? I've sinned, Lord. I, I, forget it. Jesus dealt with it 2,000 years ago. Come on. How are you doing? I'm not belittling sin. Sin has consequence. Sin is bad. Sin affects us. But God's not fussed with it. He wants us to get on with life. Christ is risen from the dead. He's now looking for brothers in arms and sisters. He's looking for partners. This is what I'm saying about the Christ word I was talking about, which is impersonal. He's looking for people to share. He's looking for a family. He wants friends. You know, and you share things with friends, don't you? That's what he says. I call you friends because I shared stuff with you. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to be elevated to this place of distance from us. He wants to be right in the middle. Emmanuel, God with us. But grace to you and peace. Peace. The world is full of turmoil, isn't it? Ah, do you know, peace is such a wonderful thing. And we need to get back into peace. I, I, work, particularly I find driving, not just driving the car through the traffic, but it is an issue. If I can avoid it, it's great. But what I find is I see people and I just find it so draining when I look at and I just see empty people. There are times I see believers, and it's, it's only by the Spirit that you can spot it, and it's like, ooh. And some say, ooh, they're, they're, they're a believer. I can tell it. I can tell it. But generally, it's like, oh, man, there's such a burden. I think, dear Lord, people need Jesus. They're running about in their lives independently, yeah doing what they, you know, they have no worries, generally speaking, of all the needs met, they've got food in the cupboards. I mean, yeah, there are crises for people, but generally speaking, people cope, don't they? They don't call on God. And golly, they need him. So I find, God, I need to be topped up with your peace. Just fill me, bring me that shalom. Lord, just replenish me. (sighs) That's what it's like when we come to him. He just starts with grace and peace. Kisses, with, kisses us with grace and peace. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. Kiss on the lips. Thank you. That was lovely. So Paul goes on and he says, we give thanks to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And I'm conscious of time and I think I'm not going to get that far. So I may suspend it and pass the baton back to Mark or maybe somebody else might like to do one week. Who knows? Praying always for you? Wow, I tell you, we've got so many distractions in our world, haven't we? We've got to bring some rule. Switch off that TV. Get some time alone quiet. I I just love peace and quiet. I can think. It's hard in a busy household and noise of kids and whatnot. But this was a culture where they didn't have so many distractions. There would have been, but they had more time to give to God, perhaps, than we find ourselves, excuse me, 
And he says this, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, it sprang something up in his heart. Joy, this is wonderful. God, I'm blessed. There's some believers on the other side of the world who found you. And this gospel has found rung true in their hearts and they want to follow you. Thank you, Lord. Now, that's the power of testimony and it should encourage us. When you hear testimony, be encouraged. You can share in that and you share in it by being filled with that joy and thanksgiving. I will just say at this point that Paul's sentences are very confusing. (laughs) And it's like, oh, where are we? You've lost me now. And it's like this in this sentence here. So forgive me if you're getting completely muddled up here. So since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Now, I wasn't sure whether Paul was praying because of the hope or he was praying because they found the hope and therefore he was encouraged to pray for them. It got very confusing. But nonetheless, there's a hope, basically. Don't get too tangled up. There is an amazing hope of heaven awaiting us. And in fact... God's desire is to bring heaven here. What does the Lord's Prayer say? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Where is your kingdom? Well, it's coming here and it's already in heaven, completely, on earth as in heaven. He's all about bringing heaven in. That's what he wants, this wonderful hope. Wonderful hope. And that can keep us going. And sometimes I think, oh Lord, do I have to wait? How much longer? I think I've got a few more years yet. Please sustain me. But I've been reading books and it's increasingly more and more and more people having experience of being whipped up to heaven and experiencing and coming back down. Some people just suddenly, there's nothing wrong, they just end up there and then they come back down and think, wow. Other people do have serious car accidents or whatever. They're on the operating table and they go. And they're walking about heaven and they're getting a guided tour and it's like, whoa. This is amazing, totally amazing. And I've read books that are just out of this world, literally. There is a hope that is more real than where we're living right now. We're in one dimension, but heaven is another. And we can't even begin to put words to it effectively enough. This is the hope we have for those who secured their hearts with Jesus. Having peace with God. You've got that assurance. And that hope should embolden us. You start to think less of this life because you know where you're going and actually, I'm going to take more risks. (laughs) You know, the martyrs that have been and are still being have seen something greater so they don't fear death anymore. It doesn't hold concern for them because they've already died. Who said it? I've been crucified. I'm, I'm a goner already, so hey. The next step's just stepping into glory. This is the hope we have. The hope in heaven. There's too much to get through here. So I do apologise, because I know people can only listen for, for so long. But what I want to do is I just want to jump to verse 11. You can go back and ruminate on the other words. But let's start at um, 
9. So he's, Paul is talking about praying. He actually repeated himself. He went off on a tangent and verse 9, he comes back to what he was actually trying to say. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we don't cease to pray for you. He's already said that. And to ask, so listen to what he asked for, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And he doesn't stop there because there's no point having the knowledge of his will. Oh, that's nice. Jolly good. I know his will. Uh That, in order that, there's a purpose behind it, in order that you can walk worthy of the Lord, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So, as a good litmus test of your own Christian life, ask yourself, am I growing in my knowledge of God? Am I learning more about him? Am I seeing more of him? And if you feel you're not, then just say, Lord, help me. I want to be growing. I don't want to be static. I don't want to be stagnating. Please help me grow. Give me pointers to help me Come into more of what you have for me. Okay, so that you can be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then they want to highlight this bit. Verse 11, strengthened with all might. Wow, that is not an itty-bitty, namby-pamby little phrase, is it? That's not little Jesus meek and mild. Mm -mm. Strengthened with all might. Think of weightlifters. Don't look at me. (laughs) Strength. God wants to give strength into us. Impart something powerful to help us. We need it, you see. According to his glorious power, not ours. And I'm thinking, well, what's it for, Lord? What's it for? Wow. Doing amazing miracles. Maybe. Doing outstanding feats of engineering, well, maybe. Uh, discovering the most amazing thing ever, well, possibly. Doing incredible, getting the world record at the 100 metres, well, maybe, maybe, maybe all these things. What does it say here? For all patience and long suffering. Oh, my word. You are. So it's when I'm sat in traffic, patient, long suffering with joy. Smile, everybody. Someone's watching. It gets down to the nitty gritty, doesn't it? It's like great to be inspired with a great achievement. But what about that irritating member of staff? God bless her. (laughs) She's a lovely person, really. Really is. But what she tends to do is, um, have you got two minutes? Knock, knock. No, I haven't got half an hour. I'm saying to myself. Because she just has this habit of going into so much detail. And it's like, okay, give up half an hour with joy. Okay, yeah, all right, fine. And then she leaves in a better place, generally. It's these little life things that, oh, are where the endurance is needed. With joy. Now, it's, it's fine to grit your teeth and go through it, but I tell you, it's liberating to just think, go for it with abandon, free fall. Anybody jumped out of an aeroplane? It's terrifying. <laughs> I disengaged brain when I did it. <laughs> okay. 
But I haven't done the free fall because you're anyway. But it's weird, you just drop. It's like you, you don't experience anything like that because you're usually only dropping a few feet down a step or something, um, unless you're having an accident. But you just fall until you reach maximum velocity and it's absolutely scary. Your body's not ever experienced it. God wants us to do the same. Just abandon into those. Okay, you can see it coming. You know the things that I'm, you know, that I'm referring to in your own life. The things that get to you. you think, all right, okay, I'm preparing myself because I know it's going to happen. Right, I'm going to go in and just get hit me with it. I'm going to do it with joy and a real smile on my face. And I'm going to think, yes, God, I'm praising you in this. Wow. Wow, that's liberating. Wow, that worked. It worked. I was strengthened with all might that came from Holy Spirit. He empowered me in that situation. It's when you teeter on the edge is when it's a problem. You think, well, I know I've got to be nice to this person. I know I've got to be patient. Just choose to do it. And just say, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a different person. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory anyway. So it's not about me. All right. So it does mean I can't watch my favorite program. Okay, fair enough. So what it is. That happens a lot with me. I, I'm not really into telly. But it was like one or two times recently. It was a film I really wanted to see. It was like, I never watch a film on the day. I never watch a film. And we had a crisis. And I couldn't, and I really, I really couldn't watch the film and I would not even dream to have done so because it wasn't appropriate. But it's like, how is it, Lord? And then I like Dragon's Den. I'm going to finish at this point. And I don't watch many, but that's one I really like. It just blesses me. How many times it gets interrupted? Can't watch it. Fair enough. Do it with all joy. Okay, I'm going to pray. Whether you are listening or watching, we hope you enjoyed this message. Please consider giving us a rating on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching, please hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you never miss another video from Freedom Church.